welcome to Scary Savannah and Beyond. This is going to be episode number 36. Number's getting pretty big. It's getting bigger every single week. It's growing just like a child. Funny how that works. Soon it's going to ask us for a car. Yeah. Or a new laptop. Yeah. Or something like that. Or a giant silver spoon put on the wall. Perhaps the podcast can pay for its own laptop, much like a real child might. Maybe. So you can find us online if you go to our website at scarysavannahandbeyond.com. You can find us on all social media platforms at the username at Scary Savannah. My lovely wife, unfortunately this evening, does not appear to have any type of coffee. And it looks like all she's got is a five-hour energy drink. I did have a coffee, but I don't know where it went. So it seems that she's in desperate need of a coffee, and you're in luck. If you're one of our faithful listeners, you can help her out with that. If you'd like to donate to her coffee fund and support the podcast at the same time, if you just click on the little yellow icon in the bottom left-hand corner of your web browser, then you, too, can help her fund her coffee-fueled script-writing frenzy. It was a frenzy this week. (laughs) It's been a very... Busy week. Yeah. And she's going to tell you more about that in a minute. Want to remind everybody that we do have a merchandise giveaway this month. If you go on our website and click on giveaways, then you'll be able to enter into that. We'll give you more info at the end of the episode about our July merchandise giveaway. So, Crystal, how have you been this week? Well, right now I'm really good. I've had two Red Bulls, a five-hour energy, two iced coffees. And a coffee Coke. So assuming I don't have a heart attack, I'm your, ready to go. Your heart's going to explode. I know. It's going to be horrific. <laughs> it's not a, It's not my best decision this week. This may be the last episode of Scary Svan and Beyond. And I just want everybody to know that uh, I've really enjoyed working with you. You can just replace me with Coffee Bean. I'm sure I could find somebody. <laughs> Maybe Layla. She's a little bit more photogenic. Yeah, she looks a lot like me. She's blonde. Yeah. And she's a very beautiful dog. She is. So as far as dogs go, she's beautiful. She is. Maybe I could just let her sit there and be, you know, dog eye candy. Just smile. Yeah, I don't know what she's going to do as far as helping me with the script writing, but maybe we can just wing it. Who sounds, knows? Sounds right. So what else has happened this week? Well, it was the 4th of July weekend, so we had our friends from high school come over. We and did. And we got some beach time. We got a little bit of a tan. I did. I'm a little bit redder. It'll go back to being white shortly, but I did get more sun than I'm probably supposed to, according to my dermatologist. Probably. But Tanya did make sure you put sunscreen on. She did. She was like a mom. She was like, if you don't put sunscreen on, I'm going to beat the face. And I was like, (laughs) okay, don't beat the face. I'll put on the sunscreen. But (laughs) They also further confirmed that our house is indeed haunted. It is very much so, and it's terrifying me. So what has happened? When I came home, I was walking up the stairs, and I noticed that a picture that hangs at the top of the stairs had fallen. And I don't know why. There's no reason for it to fall. No, there's no wind. It doesn't shake. Nobody (laughs) goes there. No doors close around it. No. And then I walked into the dining room, and this huge picture that we have... That's uh, it's like a travel poster. It's gigantic. It's probably five feet tall. It's very heavy. Yeah. It was on the ground also. And it has been hanging in that same spot for six years. And it literally, it has anchors in the wall. Like we hung it correctly. Yeah. So it was on the floor. Well, I put it on the floor. Well, it had fallen off. It was you hanging sideways. It. And it was like crooked, like it would look in a haunted house. And so I took it down so it wouldn't just collapse and smash on the floor. Because that <laughs> picture probably weighs about... 40 pounds. Yeah, it's huge. And then Tanya said that my poster from um, Vegas with my picture and everything on it, it's hanging above their bed that they were sleeping in and that it fell down and it turned on a tea light candle, which you have to flip the switch on the bottom of the tea light candle to turn it on. And it doesn't just accidentally happen. No, you have to like slide the little lever over. And we'll say more about the haunting in our house at the end of the episode in the Layla and coffee talk segment. Yeah. We have one more confirmation this week. Yeah. So stick around. Usually it stays upstairs, but I hope it one. continues. We got one to for downstairs to talk about later. We do. It's funny how we never see any of this happen. It's not funny. It's a blessing. <laughs> okay. Cause even though we talk about it, I don't want to see it. 
So today we're going to switch gears and talk about something that falls more under our oddity category. You know, we always talk about big government, right? Yeah. Well, Crystal told me about one of their programs, and it's almost too crazy to believe that it's true. And I can't believe you'd never heard of it because you like conspiracy theories. I do. I didn't know. And even, it's not even conspiracy. It's, it's a, real. Apparently. It's, was it considered a conspiracy theory at one time or has it always been once it was found out? No, it's been found out since the 70s. So what we're discussing is the government project known as MK Ultra, which was a secret operation from the 1950s until the early 1960s and was headed by a chemist named Sidney Gottlieb. MKUltra was the U.S. government's attempt to create a mind-control drug. So during the Cold War, which lasted from 1947 to 1991, which I never realized it lasted that long, did you? I didn't know it went to the 90s. Yeah, you don't remember the end of it? I remember as a kid. Did it have something to do with the Berlin Wall, or is that a whole different thing? No. Okay. Well, It was when the uh, USSR became... You know. When it wasn't the Soviet yeah. Union anymore and it became right. Russia? Yeah. Oh, that yeah, thing. sure, I remember that. When we were kids. It was like 1991. I don't remember being a kid. The Cold War was basically a period of time where there were high geopolitical tensions between the United States and the Soviet Union. They were both vying for power, but no actual combat took place. During this time, the CIA was sure that communists had developed something that would allow them to control human minds. They weren't sure if it was a drug or some other device that allowed them to do this, but they didn't want to be behind the Russians, so they set out to create their own version. We can't be behind the Reds. No. On April 10th, 1953, Alan Dulles, the newly appointed director of the CIA, gave a speech to a gathering of Princeton alumni. The Korean War was ending. And earlier that week, the New York Times had published a story saying that American POWs returning from that country may have been converted by communist brainwashers. Some GIs were saying that they had actually committed war crimes, including germ warfare against the communists, which, of course, the U.S. government declined. Of course. Some were said to be so brainwashed that they refused to return to the United States at all. Dulles was the first civilian director of the CIA, and his speech revealed his priorities for his new agency. And I'm going to quote it here. In the past few years, we have become accustomed to hearing much about the battle for men's minds, the war of ideologies, he told the attendees. I wonder, however, whether we clearly perceive the magnitude of the problem. Whether we realize how sinister the battle for men's minds has become in Soviet hands, we might call it, in its new form, brain warfare. Yeah, they really latched onto this and they really believed that they had something that could control the minds of people. So they were afraid of super soldiers and they also had uh, developed their own um, atomic weapons at that time. Mm. It was a scary time. Before that, we are, we were the only ones that had it. And so they were always at a standstill with that. Like, of course, I sort of imagine him saying that last line of his speech, like, we might call it in its new form, brain warfare. <laughs> and that should have been a like a dead giveaway yeah. as to where this is going. Yeah. Dulles then described the Soviet brain perversion techniques as effective, but abhorrent and nefarious. Something we would never attempt to do. No, America would never do that. He used the examples of the supposedly brainwashed American POWs as how the U.S. was somewhat handicapped in brain warfare. This sort of non-consensual experiment, even on your enemy, was totally against American values, he insisted, as well as what should be basic human values. We'll see how long that lasts. I'm imagining probably 15 minutes after the conference was over, he was already making phone calls. Yeah. The fear of brain warfare both terrified and fascinated the American public throughout the 50s, both by the words of the CIA and the stories they were reading about the brainwashed GIs that were returning from China, Korea, and the Soviet Union. This bled into culture with books like The Manchurian Candidate and The Naked Lunch. 
both with themes of mad scientists and, of course, vast political conspiracies. Have you um, heard of those? I have heard of them, but I've never read them. I know the Manchurian Candidate was a movie. Yeah. I didn't realize it was based on a book. Everything's I'm not sure based who was on a book. It. I don't know anything about it. We should probably watch it. Let's get our fact checkers on that. Yeah. The idea of brainwashing also provided many Americans with the answer to their questions of why anyone would embrace backwards ideologies such as communism. Exactly. Just days after Dulles' speech, he approved the start of MKUltra, a top-secret CIA program for covert use of biological and chemical materials. Every time I read this project's name or think about it, I just think of a makeup store. You're thinking of Ulta. I'm thinking about like, we're going to experiment and we're going to do it with eyeshadow. I do like a good eyeshadow palette. Although based off of where this goes, maybe makeup could have been used as the conveyor method of what we're going to say. It could have been, but I don't think it would work on men as well. Nowadays. (laughs) These days. The American values was good rhetoric, but his ideas were much larger for the CIA's Cold War agenda. Who would have seen that coming? This operation was called by journalist Stephen Kinzer the most sustained search in history for techniques of mind control. The CIA thought that certain procedures and possibly drugs, such as LSD, could be used in interrogations to weaken individuals and force confessions through brainwashing and psychological torture. As we mentioned, the head chemist was a man named Sidney Gottlieb. According to journalist Stephen Kinzer, Gottlieb wanted to create a way to seize control of people's minds, and he realized it was a two-part process, Kinzer says. First, you had to blast away the existing mind. Second, you had to find a way to insert a new mind into that resulting void. We didn't get too far on number two, but he did a lot of work on number one. So we can destroy minds, but reprogramming reprogramming them is a lot harder. Seems like it's not meant to happen. Exactly. Various methods were used to try to control their subject's mental state and brain functions. And this included administering high doses of psychoactive drugs, including LSD. We'll talk more about that in a bit. And other chemicals, electroshocks, hypnosis, sensory deprivation, isolation, and verbal and sexual abuse were among the forms of torture their patients received. Sounds very humanitarian at this point, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Human rights out the door. Of course, this was originally meant to make sure the USA government kept up with what they thought the Soviets were able to do with mind control technology because we can't be number two here. We, we sure be. can't be number two. No. If there's one thing Captain America says, it's America's number one. Is that what he says? I don't think he ever did, but oh, okay. I'm thinking say, it just sounds like a Captain America quote, probably somewhere in like the 1940s Marvel comics. He probably did. This experiment has gone down in history as a very significant example of government abuse of human rights. Their mission statement sounds innocent enough. To study the use of biological and chemical materials in altering human behavior. That sounds innocuous until you think about what they're saying. Yes, that's according to the testimony of CIA Director Stansfield Turner in 1977. Well, with a name like Stansfield, you got to believe what he says. They call me Stansfield. The project itself was conducted in extreme secrecy due to the ethical and legal questions surrounding the program and the negative public response they believed they would get if the program became public knowledge. Hmm. Yeah. Wonder why. No reason to hide this. No. These people just don't understand, you know, what we could create. It's for it the greater like, good. It really sounds like the definition of a mad scientist. Yeah. Like a supervillain from any one of the Marvel movies we've watched. Yeah. Under the MK Ultra program, The CIA gave itself authority to research how drugs could promote the intoxicating effects of alcohol, render the induction of hypnosis easier, enhance the ability of individuals to withstand privation, a state in which things that are essential for human well-being, such as food and warmth, are scarce or lacking, torture and coercion, produce amnesia, Shock and confusion, and much, much more. Yeah, these all sound like fun things. The worst part is that many of these tests were performed on unwitting test subjects 
like drug addicted prisoners, sex workers, and terminal patients. People who could not fight back, in the words of Sidney Gottlieb. What a monster. Yeah. Some of these test subjects freely volunteered, but some were coerced into complying. Some of the participants included mentally impaired boys at a state school, American soldiers, and sexual psychopaths. Sounds like they got a good mix of people to test this stuff Well, that's on. just some of them. There's all kinds of people from all kinds of walks of life. We'll get to that. But right now, let's talk a little bit more about LSD. Lysergic acid diethylamide, or LSD. Nobody or probably acid. called it what it was because yeah. nobody could pronounce it. It <laughs> took us five minutes to get it going. We edited that out. <laughs> yeah. But you might have heard of it as just acid. I just call it acid. It's a psychedelic drug that can have a broad range of effects, including hallucinations, intense thoughts, panic, as well as mystical experiences. In other words, it helps you write Pink Void albums. Lots of albums have probably been written. Dark Side of the Moon. Before this time, LSD was relatively unknown in the U.S., as were its effects on humans. Sidney Gottlieb had the CIA buy up the entire world's supply of LSD for $400,000 for his use and experiments. Can you imagine him just showing up? I mean, who do you, who, who do you go to to buy this? That's Ron? what I'm did, saying. Did he just show up and he's like, "I tell you what, how much of that LSD do you have? Because I'm gonna take all of it. I'm gonna take it all. Off I ain't hands. gonna pay a penny over 400k. I ain't gonna do it. Just I wonder how much that is it. in today's money. It's gotta be a lot. That's gotta be a lot. But it actually sounds like sounds low. low. Sounds like you got a deal. I don't know how much acid costs. I don't either, I've but I imagine 400000 is like really low. With today's inflation, that's probably like two little tabs of acid. Yeah, probably. It was like 100 million doses. Yeah. It was enough to dose like half our population at the time. That's amazing. Yeah. That they were able to buy that. So like, I'm wondering, is there, like, radar. is there like a secret phone at the White House where you just go and like pick it up and there's a guy there? Well, we just, already like, know I that. I want to buy all the drugs. The problem is, is that if you call them collect. Oh, yeah. They won't answer. They're not going to answer. They're not going to answer. Big drug. Big pharma. <laughs> big pharma. They ain't going to answer. <laughs> I, I read that it was actually a Switzerland, um, a Swiss scientist that accidentally made LSD. Oops. I was trying to make a nonstick cooking spray. No, he was trying to make um, something similar to an EpiPen is what I heard. Like something that could counteract the effects of uh, wow. anaphylactic shock. wonder how far off the... Uh recipe is from LSD. I don't know, but he uh, discovered this by accident. And when he touched it, it absorbed into his skin. And he wrote several prog rock albums. Yes. And then he like started having hallucinations and all this stuff. And he's then, like, I could sell this to the U.S. And government. then he sold it to the U.S. government. No, at least that's what I read. So once Sidney Gottlieb acquired all the LSD in the world, he distributed it to all kinds of places, hospitals, clinics, prisons, college campuses, and they used phony foundations. You know, they just set up like, oh, we're trying to figure this out. And or the like, EpiPen Foundation of <laughs> East Switzerland. <laughs> this is in an effort to study its effects. He was like, hey, give this to random people and tell me what, what it does to them. So it's very scientific. And college research. students were like, okay. Yeah, they were like, they told college students that they were trying to come up with something that would give them a, the effect of feeling drunk, but without actually but having be to be drunk. Totally safe. But be but fine. No, no hangover. Hangovers. No lasting. We want to get you back to studying faster. That's what you know. Why is there a dragon here? Yes. So they really were unsuspecting. Almost all the people that uh, that did experiment with this, they didn't know what they were doing it for. So yeah. Or what the repercussions? Right. Of it were they had going no idea. Be. They were guinea pigs. I guess that's why they call them guinea pigs. Mm -hmm. Because they're guinea pigs. Exactly. What is a guinea pig? It's a little hamster-like creature. Bigger than a... Have you ever owned a guinea pig? No, but my aunt did. Remember they had guinea pigs and I was oh. highly... The kids were allergic to the the bedding that they use on them, like the, the hay type stuff. Did she test LSD on them? I hope not. Maybe that's... We've never seen a guinea pig? Don't they look like, you know... Like a Bread large boxes with fur, sort of like a large hamster. Yeah, like a rat. No, they're cuter than rats. Sure, Sydney Godley was basically given carte blanche to do whatever it took to figure out how to perfect mind control. He did submit paperwork to those above him, but they just signed off on it and let him do whatever he felt was necessary to stay ahead of the Russians. 
I can see how that went. Yeah. He's probably like, well, here's some papers. I just need some signatures. <laughs> yeah. like, what does this say? Sydney? And he's like, oh, it's nothing. It's just, you know, standard procedures. College kids, you know. College kids. And, you know, I bought all the LSD in the world. And also, we got to stay ahead of the Russians. I need like, half a million dollars. What'd you say about buying all that? <laughs> I was like, oh, no, it's okay. I got a deal. I got a deal. This guy, I know this guy in Switzerland. And they're like, oh, okay, sure. Some people did voluntarily participate in these experiments, like Ken Kessie, who wrote the novel, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and the lyricist for The Grateful Dead, Robert Hunter. Robert Hunter went on to be a big proponent of the upcoming LSD culture in the 60s and 70s and the hippies who were very anti-government. So I don't think this is what they were hoping would happen. Yeah, they were like all about protecting America and all this. And then this whole Basically the exact opposite of being able to control people. You basically got spaced out crazies doing whatever. Another volunteer of sorts was gangster Whitey Bulger. While he was in prison, they asked him to participate in an experiment to cure schizophrenia. That's what they told him. Yeah. I'm sure he believed everything the government told him. Just put this under your tongue. Yeah. He was given LSD every day for 18 months. Mm-hmm. He told friends and family later that it was horrific and that he was tempted to track down the head of this experiment and kill him. He felt like he was going insane. He later told people he often heard voices, but was afraid to tell anyone back then for fear of being committed to a mental institution. Yeah, here's a quote that he said, and we'll put this on the screen. It says, we experienced horrible periods of living nightmares and even blood coming out of the walls. Guys turning to skeletons in front of me. I saw a camera change into the head of a dog. I felt like I was going insane. Wow. Yeah. Poor Whitey Bulger. Well, like he, he knew he was in jail and he knew he was a bad guy. And he's like, I did, you know, do these things and I should be punished. But he's like, this is way worse what they're doing to us. Because it was him and a lot of other prisoners, like 18 other men were being tested at the same time. I wonder time. why some people have that effect and then some people enjoy it. Well, I think some people take it occasionally and then some people... You know, if you take it every day for 18 months, I've, it's maybe it compounds. I don't know. I think they it does not, gather in your system, yeah, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Or is it all oh, yeah, out? yeah, yeah. They say, like, you could, like, have taken it 30 years ago, and one day you might just have a trip, like, a flashback or something. You'll see that dragon again. Yeah. Or maybe the dark watchers on the Santa Lucia Mountains. Maybe. I don't know. You it think just, Steinbeck didn't do some drugs? <laughs> probably. That just It just seems like a really bad idea. I agree. To take LSD. So who Say else, no to drugs, uh, kids. Who else took LSD? <laughs> so other people that claim to be victims of this experiment are Charles Manson, which I could see that. Yeah, he was a maniac. American poet and writer Allen Ginsberg, and the Unabomber Ted Kaczynski. Hmm. Yeah, I did so. not know that he was that old. But you said the Cold War went through the nineties. So how long were they doing? Oh these no, tests? they finished this up in the seventies. So he must have been older. Of course, I'm thinking back. Yeah, like, the Unabombing happened a long time ago. I was, that was a long time yeah. ago. It just seems <laughs> I know like it's it like that long when someone me. says 1970 something, I think, well, that was like 30 years ago, but it was 50 years ago. And then I think about it like, well, the moon landing happened less than 10 years before I was born. So I've yeah. been around a little while. Yeah. So early on in the MK Ultra project, there was a man named Frank Olson who worked for the CIA. He had some reservations about what he saw going on with this experiment. The CIA also believed Olson had too much knowledge of biological warfare that took place in the Korean War. At a 1953 CIA retreat, Olson drank a cocktail that had been secretly spiked with LSD. I read that Sidney Gottlieb actually dosed him himself. So he made sure he got the right amount. Which was two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of the four hundred thousand dollars they had bought. <laughs> yeah, they believed it acted as kind of a truth serum. Yeah, they weren't quite sure what it was going to do because it affects everyone differently. They may have intended to dose him to see what he knew. However, things took a really bad turn. Frank Olson became despondent and paranoid. Yeah, they said when he got home after that, his family said he was just completely different. He wasn't the same person even, and he was just complete, like they were, they were shocked. 
Yeah, drugs can do that to a person. It can totally change you. And yeah, I imagine but I think LSD this really alters like other drugs reality. wear out of your system quicker, I guess, because this is nine days later when this next thing happens. So it's well, when you take two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of LSD, <laughs> I don't in one think it dose, took that much. <laughs> he went to New York to check himself into a hospital, but the night before he was supposed to check in. He plummeted to his death from the window of a hotel room in an alleged suicide. Mm-hmm. He was in New York with another CIA agent and a doctor. Yeah, they were supposed to make sure he got checked into this hospital. And uh, Don't worry, we're going to take care of him. He will be fine. Yeah. The night manager rushed to Olson, who was still alive and who tried to mumble something. He's probably trying to tell him he wasn't trying to kill himself. Yeah, somebody offed me. Yeah. Olson died before medical help arrived. Years later, the night manager recalled, In all my years in the hotel business, I never encountered a case where someone got up in the middle of the night, ran across a dark room in his underwear, avoiding two beds, and dove through a closed window with the shade and curtains drawn. Yeah, that makes no sense. It doesn't make sense. It's not like this guy had a history of this kind of thing mm-hmm. since they thought this is very strange. But it makes me ask, did they, is that how it happened? Probably not. Did some people come up there and be like, oh, he lost his mind. And we sort of helped him fly through a closed window. Yeah. That's probably more likely. Well, his family decided they wanted a second autopsy. So, In 1994, this is a long time later, obviously. Probably smart of them to do it. Yeah, so a forensics team found injuries on the body that they said likely occurred before the fall. And so this sparked conspiracies that maybe he was assassinated by the CIA. I would imagine that they were probably trying to hide stuff and they were willing to make a few sacrifices to make sure that stuff stayed under wraps. He probably had a lot of knowledge they didn't want getting out. Probably. And so they actually sued. And after a long time, they finally settled with the government for $750,000. They could have bought back all the LSD. (laughs) Which is $3.8 million in 2021 money. And they received a personal apology from President Gerald Ford and then CIA Director William Colby. Sorry about that whole MK Ultra thing. You know how those things go, though. I know. Sometimes the Russians make you do weird things. I feel like if they had nothing to do with it and they weren't wrong, why pay out that kind of money? They just wanted it to go away, I think. That's what it is. It's the same reason a lot of celebrities will pay people off that sue them just because they just want it to go away and not come out and... Start maybe making people ask more questions. Yeah, we don't need more questions. All right, here's your money. Go away. Be quiet. Be happy. I didn't know this, but Netflix actually had a documentary miniseries entitled Wormwood, and it was in 2017. It was based on the mystery of Olson's death. So I would really like to have watched that had I known that prior to this. We should still watch it. We should. And sidebar that has nothing to do with this. Wormwood was the name of that podcast we were trying to think of. I thought of that when I saw that. I was like, it was Wormwood. We were trying to think of a pod, an audio drama podcast we'd listened to a while back. Yeah, we could not think ago. of it. And I saw that and I'm like, it was Wormwood. Yeah, but it's different than this Wormwood. It's not this Wormwood. It's a totally different one, but it was still entertaining as I recall. So I actually remember seeing some sort of segment on like a uh, Unsolved Mysteries or something about this death of Frank Olson. Yeah. A long time ago, I, I know you don't remember it, but I remember it. And I remember them talking about the LSD and all that. And I'm like, why would they do somebody with LSD? But now, now I know why. Now the whole story has come Now it light. makes sense. Now you, too, possess the power. So this next part is really crazy. Okay. You want to read it? Of course I, I don't do. know if you do. Operation Midnight Climax. <laughs> it's exactly what you think. <laughs> and I get to read this part. It was an MK Ultra project in which government-employed prostitutes lured unsuspecting men to CIA safe houses where drug experiments took place. The CIA dosed the men with LSD and then, while at times drinking cocktails behind a two-way mirror, watched the drug's effects on the men's behavior. Recording devices were installed in the prostitutes' rooms disguised as electrical outlets. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So this was actually sanctioned by the government. They just gave this guy money and they're like, here, go do whatever it is. So he sets up these rooms. Can you imagine the pitch meeting for that? I know. 
He's like, well, first of all, you got to make sure there's a wet bar. And it's got to be on the other side of the two-way mirror. I just can't believe that they did this. Like, well, get, Wait, get this. We're going to put cameras in electrical outlets. <laughs> this is going to be wild. Yeah, this is George White. He did this. Like, he was the head of this. And, like, they basically just sat behind the mirrors and dosed these guys with LSD just to see if they could get them to confess to things, say things. Like, they were just trying to see what they could get out of them. Were these prostitutes or were these undercover agents they, pretending to be prostitutes? I think they were actual prostitutes or sex workers, and but they were just hired by the government to do, you know, to lure uh, them in. Bring them in, maybe ask them questions. Yeah, they were told to ask them questions. The yeah, to see if they could get them to say what they wanted them to say. I, I wonder were, what would happen if they maybe spilled secrets and they know. could make sure that they uh, like, accidentally fly out of a like I'm actually the night hospital stalker. window. <laughs> maybe. So most of the Operation Midnight Climax experiments took place in San Francisco and in New York City. The program had little oversight, and the CIA agents involved admitted that a free-willing, party-like atmosphere prevailed. Because how else are you going to get? They were just sitting back there drinking and probably taking LSD themselves while they're... Oh, you know they were. (laughs) They're probably snorting coke. (laughs) Probably. They're doing the safe drugs. Yeah. Kids, there are no safe drugs. I'm just joking. Don't do the coke. <laughs> An agent named George White wrote to Gottlieb in 1971. This is the guy that was the head of that. Ah, uh, but these are going to be words of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Of course, I was a very minor missionary, actually a heretic, but I toiled wholeheartedly in the vineyards because it was fun, fun, fun. Where else could a red-blooded American boy lie, kill and cheat, steal deceive, rape, and pillage with the sanction and blessing of the all-highest. It's just unbelievable that they How did this guy get in a position of authority in any place? How is he like not even able to work security at a mall? I don't know what they were thinking. I don't get it. Project MKUltra was not limited to experiments within the United States. Sydney set up secret detention camps all over Europe and Asia, mostly in Japan Germany, and the Philippines. The reason they set them up all over the place like that was to avoid um, criminal prosecution for violation of human rights, you know, so they have less stringent well, laws there. Well, that's important to watch out for that. Yeah. So they would like capture enemies and they deemed them expendable. So they could do whatever they wanted, torture, human experimentation. They would interrogate them, give them psychoactive drugs electroshock therapy. I don't think it was therapy. No. They would uh, subject them to extremes and temperatures, hot and cold. Uh, They also did sensory isolation, which I don't know what that is. Do you know what it is? Isn't that like being put in one of those things like Michael Jackson used to do where they put you in like a chamber and you can't hear sound or see lights. And apparently it's a very disturbing experience to be completely cut off from your senses. Hmm. Well, apparently, it didn't work to control the human it mind. Would be, it would be likened to an extreme form of claustrophobia for yeah, you. Yeah, I would hate that. So this is really just a continuation of what they were doing in Nazi concentration camps. They even hired Nazi scientists that had tortured people. Sounds like to find out the what American they knew. government would have done. Yeah, they wanted to build on that research. And uh, they had actually experimented with another drug called mescaline. And it's very similar to LSD. And they would tell them what they had learned, and it it really didn't do any different than LSD in I mind bet control. All it did was work <laughs> on phase one. Yeah, destroy destroying a mind, but they could never gain control of the mind. They also provided information about poisons they knew about, like sarin, which is a highly gas. Yeah, it's a that's mustard gas, isn't it? It will kill you really quickly. I think that's what they called mustard gas in the war, which was an outlawed form of chemical warfare. Yeah, it is chemical warfare. So they had actually had these Nazis come and lecture the CIA on how to teach people, how to teach them how people die from Sarah. How did a red-blooded patriotic American sit in a room with Nazis telling them stuff? I just don't see that. But I don't I, know. My, my granddad had been there. <laughs> they wouldn't be standing there talking, I give you that much. Yeah. So after many years of this, Gottlieb came to the conclusion that mind control wasn't possible. And to me, that would have seemed pretty obvious before you had to do all this torture and such. You would think. 
I mean, like everybody's mind is unique and individual and everything affects you differently. Even if they'd succeeded in some cases, then obviously it's not going to work on others. It won't work on everyone, but I guess they were looking for the few that they could. That's why they did such a wide range of people, college people. Different backgrounds, different ethnicities, ages, demographics. You know, people with mental disorders already and terminal patients, like they just prisoners. So they just, I don't know. In 1973, Richard Nixon removed director of the CIA, Richard Helms. Gottlieb saw the writing on the wall and realized his program would soon be shut down. I don't know why he would think that. So Richard Helms, before he left, uh, he went and got all those documents that had all the incriminating evidence. He was just trying to get them for safekeeping. And they got destroyed somehow. Somehow they all caught on fire out in a field in the deserts of Nevada. Yeah, so uh, he got rid of that real quick. Yeah. Gottlieb eventually moved on and he worked, he continued to work for the CIA. He actually ran a program that developed more poisons and spy gadgets. So he really had no real repercussions from his actions. And one of the things he ended up inventing later on was called Operation Acoustic Kitty. It sounds like something he probably had a brain child event at the uh, Operation Midnight Climax. Yeah. He actually took a cat. And they, you know, put it under and they plant, implanted a microphone into the cat. And then they sent the cat off so that it could spy on people. Robo cat. And what I heard, I don't know if it's true or not, but then they didn't train the cat at all. So the cat just ran off. They're so well behaved. Yeah. And so I don't know if you can train a cat, but it, they had no way to get the cat back. So it ran off into the park and it ended up getting hit by a taxi. Oh, no. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Seems like they would have done that with a dog because at least a dog's trainable. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's, but that's like saying, well, we've got to put this delicate but microphone the thing is, here. A, Let's a, put it in a sparrow. A random cat might show up somewhere. A dog can't just wander around is the thing. That's true. Cats are But very like, what random. are you spying on? Like, you just set it out in the park. What do you think people are doing out in the park? Maybe they like put a, a baggie around its collar with free LSD in it. And they're like, Take one, put please. this in your mouth. Take one, please. And yeah. then the cat's got like a antenna sticking out of its ear, <laughs> like a satellite dish. Eventually, Gottlieb moved to India and opened a hospital for people with leprosy. That's the organic flow of where this that starts just, and ends. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So what are you going to do after you've killed and maimed Hundreds and, and destroyed so many lives. Well, I'm going to cure leprosy. Guess what fixes leprosy? <laughs> LSD. LSD. <laughs> in 1977, a free- a monster. I'm sorry. He's just a monster. In 1977, a Freedom of Information Act request uncovered a cache of 20,000 documents related to MKUltra. And these apparently had been filed in the wrong place. They the were under- cat. No, they were, they were under like um, expense reports or something. So, Ooh, yeah. A little clerical error then. Yeah, so they ended up finding quite a bit of documents and they were able to reconstruct some of the things that had actually happened. So, Do you think it was intentionally misfiled or just maybe somebody put it in the wrong place by accident? Because it seems like they wouldn't have left it. They destroyed other things. It seems like, it seems like, a, like they lot got all of, of it. a lot of documents. I think maybe someone had some like reservations about what was going on and they figured somebody that it would get it destroyed at some point. So they were trying to hide something because 20,000 documents is a lot. So maybe they were like squirreling them away under... So do you think they were hiding it so that they could keep it? Or do you think maybe somebody was like, what we're doing is wrong. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And somebody somebody, can find it in the future. So at least my conscience would be a little bit. That's all they felt like they could do. Because if they go try to be a whistleblower, they're they're going to end up out of the window. Yeah, they're going out the hotel window. Turns out he went crazy in the middle of the night. He tossed himself out a window. He screamed the whole way down. He said, it's not my fault. (laughs) I didn't do it. It was the cat. On the Senate floor in 1977, Senator Ted Kennedy said, The deputy director of the CIA revealed that over 30 universities and institutions were involved in an extensive testing and experimentation program, which included covert drug tests on unwitting citizens at all social levels, high and low, Native Americans and foreign. Several of these tests involved the administration of LSD to unwitting subjects in social situations. So, yeah, they pretty much confirmed that that's what happened. And Oops, my bad. Yeah. Sorry, bro. Sincerely, U.S. government. Yeah, like, what, what do you do? What more do you want? We said we're sorry. <laughs> we're sorry. 
So because of this extreme secrecy, we'll probably never know the true number of people who were affected by this experiment. So some people have suffered long-term effects from these experiments, memory loss, hallucinations, suicidal thoughts, depression, anxiety, violent outbursts. It's really just horrific. Like people that, I mean, there are people still alive, obviously. Been destroyed by the government. Something that happened so long ago. That apparently they weren't even taking seriously at the time. They didn't even know what was really happening to them. And they volunteered for something. It was not disclosed exactly what they were going to be doing. Yeah. It's just the whole thing just is crazy to me that this could be real. It's like as crazy as like aliens. Maybe some of these people's alien experiences are results of these LSD. Or maybe aliens were involved with the whole thing to start with. Maybe. And they're experimenting to see the limits of human capacity. That's true. Or maybe it's just our government's really crummy. Maybe. Or at least used to be. Used to be. Oh, yeah. It's much better these days. Oh, yes. Certainly improved. So it's a really fascinating subject. And if you want to check out more, I would look at that Netflix show, which I want to check out. It was called uh, Wormwood. That was about Frank Olson. And there's also a book about Sidney Gottlieb by Stephen Kinzer, and it's called Poisoner in Chief. And you can also find a video where he's talking about his book on YouTube. And I think he's uh, talking specifically about that. And that sounds like it'd be interesting too. So you may want to check that out. Yeah. I'd really like to look further into it. It's really interesting. So that's going to bring us to the portion of our episode where I take a graphic and insert it here. What What we're watching. watching. Okay. So this week we had our friends over at the house and my buddy Mikey said, you got to watch this movie. He's been saying it for years. years. And we finally watched it because he was here. And that movie is... The Cabin in the Woods from 2011. This was a horror slash crazy movie. Starring Thor. Starred a young him Thor. before he was famous. Yeah. And I love what they did with this character. Yes. I don't know if you remember it because, as I recall, you missed a little bit of this movie as well. <gasps> Only the very end. So the Oh, I saw what they did with him. <laughs> I saw the motorcycle. Yes. I love that part. That was great. Not gonna tell you what happens, but it was worth it just to see the movie. It was. So this movie basically focuses on a group of teenagers. I assume they're either teenagers or young twenties, and they're, they're all in college. getting together for a trip to a cabin in the woods and going to spend some time there. And obviously it has all the various cliche mm-hmm. roles of people. You get that the would cheerleader be in it. and the bookworm. The nerd, you know, the football and player, the jock and, the nerd, yeah. and all these things. And they're going there. Well, what you find out is that you seem to think that all this is just happenstance. The kids are going to go do something. Well, no, that's not the case. This entire thing is being orchestrated for these kids to be in this cabin And you find out there are a bunch of cameras set up, and it looks like a government entity, much like MKUltra, watching what they're doing, and in a way, taking their choices and directing things that happen to these kids. And it is a horror movie. It's not uh, as graphic as I thought it would be. It's got some gore in it. Had its moments. It did. Um, But it is a very interesting premise to me, at least the idea of the story. And the way it ends, I thought, was pretty interesting as well. It's unique in the way the story goes. You have to tell me the very ending because I think that's the part I missed. Okay. Well, it's crazy. But I'm not going to tell you. Tell I'll tell you after. now because I'll tell you, you ruin after the episode. It. So I'm going to go ahead and let you give your rating because your rating is going to be a complete guess since you must have missed like the key turning point of the movie. <laughs> go ahead and tell us about it. Okay. So I'm going to give it seven. And it's because you thought Chris Hemsworth was pretty. No, that was not. I've never been really interested. You've never been attracted to beautiful men. I've never really thought he was that cute, but that's probably just me. He is pretty much ugly. I I can't stand looking at him. He's so wimpy with those massive I don't like blonde hair guys. I like dark hair, as you know. I hope so. (laughs) I had blonde highlights at one time. It was a whole thing. (laughs) It was a thing. So tell us, what is the rating you give based off of what you saw? I give it a seven uh, because it was interesting. Like I haven't seen, like he said, I haven't seen a premise like this. It's usually just they're going out in the woods. They're going to get hit, killed by a slasher, you know, serial killer, usually crazy, where it goes. psychopath. Yeah. Very tropey. Yeah. So it was pretty interesting, but I don't know how it ended. 
I got to the part where they were in, they infiltrated the place where the things were happening. Yeah. Where it was happening. Yeah. And so you don't even know what the whole point of this experiment no, was. I don't know. Okay. So that's why I can't give well, it that a fair pretty rating. pretty much would change your rating if you knew. So uh, I'll tell you after we're done. You should have told me before you we recorded. Well, I didn't know you didn't see the end. You I did. You I told you the, the last. No, I told you the last thing I saw. So I will re-rate it next week once he's told me what happened. Well, you're not even going to remember that next. I week. will. So I want to give this movie out of a arbitrarily chosen scale of one to twelve dog treats an eight, and not just because I'm trying to be one better, but Always. because it was to me. I, I give it most of the stars because it was unique and the story is unique. The premise is unique. The ending is unique. I felt it drug a lot in certain points and they didn't get to the point quick enough for my mm -hmm. taste. And if Crystal had not fallen asleep through the end of the movie, then she would have seen how it ends. And, you know, the way it ends is pretty interesting, very abrupt. And you're like, man, they could have gotten to that a little faster yeah. than they did. I understand you're trying to fill up time and tell a story, but sometimes some of this stuff feels like lazy screenwriting to me. I will say I would recommend this movie if you're into horror because its premise is unique. You're a fan of Thor. This is before he was found, and I think that's part of the reason this movie became famous is yeah. because after he got big, then the movie came back, and they're like, hey, it's Thor, baby Thor. <laughs> no, baby Thor. That's his brother. That's his brother. What's his Liam? Liam. Liam Hemsworth, you know, mm -hmm. the discount Thor. Yeah. He was in that. He uh, looks better than Thor. That other young adult Hunger dystopian. Games. He was in the Hunger Games? Yes. I thought he was in Divergent. No. Nah. He was in the Hunger it Games. It doesn't really matter. They're the same movies. <laughs> They're not. I read the novels, too. I did, too. And I like the novels. I did, too. They were the really good. The movies bored me. Yeah, they were kind of boring. So that's going to bring us to the portion of the show that we like to call Layla, Layla and, and Coffee, Coffee Talk. Talk. So this week, we did have some stuff happen. Crystal, want to talk about it? You know, the dogs had some visitors, among other things. Yeah, so they were, got new people to bark at. They got quite attached to the daughter, Anna. And, she did. Yeah, they Layla a, got up there and fatted her way up <laughs> on the bed with her. They did. They also were terrified of fireworks, as usual. And they then... Were. They hate thunder, and it's like continuous thunder. Mm -hmm. And then, with all the hauntings going on in the house... We were laying in bed watching TV and all of a sudden Layla comes up to the corner beside my side of the bed and just starts barking like she sees something on the wall. And I look and there's nothing there and she's acting like really crazy and she goes around into our bathroom, which so is the other side of the wall. Bug. Yeah, I thought, oh, there's a bug. Because that like, happens. Yeah, it was like a fly or something or, or know, a massive water bug. Or a massive palmetto bug, something. And so there was nothing there. And she ran into our bathroom, which is the, on the other side of the wall. And she's looking at the wall on that side. And she comes back and she's going back and forth trying to figure out what it is. Yeah. And we didn't see anything. And usually we're, we're not, it usually happens and you see a bug. There was no bug. No. And she wasn't looking randomly. She was looking at a very specific right spot. And she's barking like in the corner of the wall. And as I had said on a previous episode, I have an EMF meter. So I pulled that EMF meter out and took it in our room just to see if it'd pick up anything, even though I said I don't want to do that in my <laughs> house because it would scare me. And uh, it was giving off some readings. Now, to be fair, because we want to be level about everything, I bought Crystal an ice maker, which is in our bathroom on the other side of the wall. And it apparently generates a massive magnetic field when it operates because it's putting out a lot of energy. If yeah, you but put it's that lower EMF down, near, like... When you were you were holding it up high, yeah. When it was going off, so. and it was reading, and uh, I know it wasn't a continuous like electrical wires because it'll pick up that uh, that the signal faded and went away, mm -hmm. so it wasn't continuous mm -hmm. when I went around with it. So I'm trying not to think into it, and I'm definitely not going to come upstairs with it and tempt whatever might be up here with an EMF meter. Yeah, so thank so your how dog do you feel about living in a confirmed haunted house? If I see something, I'm moving out. I guess we'll have to separate. I know you ain't going to want to move, but I, I can't do it. I really can't. If I see something, I can't. Okay. Well, so far, it's just been... Minor stuff. Yeah. But this stuff just started, so mm -hmm. I don't know what's going down. Do something about it. <laughs> okay. Buy some crystals. Get some salt. Okay. Call Dean Winchester. 
get some salt. I got some margarita salt today from a house, so I can use that. That might work. It's probably mm-hmm. like, you know, lemon flavored. I actually spilled it all over the place earlier. That might have fixed it. That might have helped. So, if you would like to learn more about our podcast, you can find us online at scarysavannahandbeyond.com. You can find us on all social media platforms if you look for the user at Scary Savannah. You can enter our merchandise giveaway, which we spoke about earlier, for the month of July if you go to our website and click on the Giveaways tab. You can enter in with minimal information. Even if you don't listen to our podcast, you can win merchandise from our podcast. If you didn't win in June, you can try again for That's July. That's right. If you haven't won before, we had a lot of people in June, keep and only one of you won. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe some month, not this month, but when we get a little further on, we might give away more than one thing. Maybe closer to the holidays. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Might even have a special thing happen. Who knows? So make sure you go do that and enter in to win a coffee mug or a shirt of your choice, and there are a variety of those that you can pick from. You can also listen to exclusive episodes of Scary Savannah if you go to our Patreon page. And that's at patreon.com forward slash Scary Savannah. And so we have a new patron that just joined with us, and that would be April Simpson. Thank you, April. Yes, April. Thank you so much for joining up, and we appreciate you doing that. And we will be releasing new episodes, both video and audio, on Patreon. And we're currently doing a series about cryptids. I'm working on another series that I am starting to script with my own personal crazy audio drama that uh, we may release on Patreon whenever it happens. Sometime in the uh, middle of 2036 <laughs> is where I'm uh, guessing it it's will probably premiere. It's in the right planning now. stages. <laughs> but thank you, April. And if you'd like to join in, you also can. And that would greatly help support our podcast. Like I said, patreon.com forward slash scary savannah. If you'd like to help us out, you can also help by buying Crystal a coffee. And you can see the yeah, icon. I have no coffee right now. None at all. So you can buy Crystal a coffee if you go down to the bottom left-hand side of your screen and click on the yellow icon. And that will help support our podcast. And you can also help fuel her caffeine addiction. <laughs> so I guess that leaves us with the one last thing. Join us next time in Savannah, where the ghosts and the good times live on. But you know who don't? Who? Probably those people flying out hospital windows because they know a little bit too much about that old 400K that old Sydney barred from the government. <laughs> Wonder how much uh, interest it would be on if you lo- someone loaned you $400,000 back then. We should probably go calculate that up yeah. see if we qualify for our own personal loan from the federal government. Yeah.